So this morning, what we're going to talk about in this meeting, and um, Ann and I come out of meetings where we'd have two and a half hour meetings, so we, we could be having afternoon tea yet, I don't know. <laughs> but that's all right, you can go when you're ready to go. But we're going to talk about, last time we talked about identifying elephants, this one we're going to talk about where's the line? Where's the line between desire and sin? Now, when I came to the Lord, I was, um, I was pretty well touched with the, with the climate of the day. I, I was born in 1951, so I went through the 1960 hippie generation. Who's part of that generation? Oh, you girls, could he have? Yeah, I had long hair, eh? <laughs> my hair's still growing, but it's going downwards now, coming out my, ear, coming out my ears and my nose. <laughs> um, but I came through that culture, and it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And... Um, and I was very much touched with that when we came to the Lord, and I was 33. So I was 33 when I came to the Lord. I've been saved for 37 years, and so I've been more this side than the other side. And I must say, this side is better than the other side. <laughs> it's better, not the regrets, not the fears, not the anxiety. Um, it's been good walking with Jesus all these years. And so I would talk about the line between where is that at? because I don't know whether you've been there, but I've been there many, many times because um, like a lot of us, we come out of the world and, and we've, been, we've been tarnished with the culture of the day. And the culture of the day is a culture, it's, it's a social construct. And the social construct is, says that if you copy us, if you do what we do, if you, if you live like we live, do the things that we do, dress like we dress, live like we live, and you put those expectations in your life as well, you will be accepted. And I don't know about you, but we all have that need to be accepted. Who, who can I say amen? I don't have it in a great deal, but I do have it probably a little bit, a little bit in my life, but I still, still got it there to be accepted. And it's something that we all have. And, 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 of course, what we do is we, we love God. I love God, but I was very much tarnished by the world. My moral compass, and like a lot of us, we come out of culture, our moral compass is knocked. And, and so we've learned, you know, I was talking to someone before the service, and the world says to us, basically, do whatever you want as long as you're happy. Is that true? And so we formulate friendships around our lives that don't confront that. And so the friends that we do, they reinforce. We live in what we call echo chambers. We hear back magnified what we speak into it. And, and, and they would say to me, oh, Dan, it's all right, you know. Like in our family growing up, we had an alcohol problem in our family growing up. And, and it was never, ever said that you were drunk. All I would say, oh, you're very tired. So I was put like that, you know, oh, I got drunk. No, no, you're just very tired. What it did enable us to live in that culture and nothing ever confronted it because, because we majored on, uh, on, on the sin conscious. We, we majored on me or you being happy, you being contented. And so what happens then is your happiness becomes more important than truth. 
as long as you feel happy. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, the trade-off is, is really you, your potential, your call in God, who you are as a sovereign individual. What's really at stake really is when God made you, he made you in his image and in his likeness. And with that image and with that likeness, there come, comes a whole lot of responsibilities. Isn't that true? And so we're tarnished with that, so we, we can lose that. And... Um, and so I want to go through some things this morning is about the image and the likeness, but it says when they had eaten from the other tree in the garden, the Bible says that they were naked and they were afraid. Now get this, which means basically that you and I became very vulnerable. We become very, very vulnerable. You can understand people you know, tearing all the clothes off you, how vulnerable you'd feel. Is that right? We cover ourselves up because we don't want to be vulnerable. We basically are all the same, but there's something that we, we, we're protecting our vulnerability, aren't we? Is that true? Yeah. Do you understand where we go? We, go, we probably do a little bit of teaching here. Uh, so we can understand this whole thing about what the elephant is that wants to control us. And so we come out of that, we come to God, and, and we've, been, we've been controlled by that all of our lives. And so what we call those neurological pathways are already established in our lives. They're established in our behaviours, they're established in our thinking, they're established in our attitude, they're established right in there that that become cultural. They call them mores, when, when a value system is, is, is held by a group of people. And since then, we've lived by these things. And see, the scripture talks about two trees. And one tree in scripture promises life, but only ever brings death in the long run. So it might bring a certain amount of satisfaction in the short run. It may give you that buzz of dopamine in the brain, serotonin, oxytocin, all of these neurotransmitters that are in the brain. And it brings this satisfaction, this instant, it's what ice does, no different. No different than methamphetamines. All that does is bring massive amounts of dopamine. And so these shortcuts we, we, we learn in life, we go there because it makes me feel accepted, it makes me feel loved, it makes me feel... And so we practice these things. And, but then there's another tree, the cross, that offers a death that leads to eternal life. So these two trees, one promises the world, but only ever it wants to enslave. But the other one says that if we're prepared to die to some of these things that we find life in, in the short term, you will receive what we call eternal life. Now, I'm not talking about eternal life in heaven as much. Well, that's true. I'm talking about eternal life on earth. Eternal life is quality of life. See, heaven is not just for something we wait to die for. Heaven is something that we can live in day after day after day after day after day, no matter what the enemy brings upon us. Being with Pastor Sam has been such an incredible encouragement to me because the devil's thrown as much as he can at throwing at all these accusations, throwing these symptoms of physical symptoms to him. How you go, Pastor Sam? I'm good. All is well with my soul. That's eternal life. That's eternal. That's when you can look at these things and know that there's something in you. And that's what I want to talk about that we can all get there today. And so in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, 
and by the surpassing revelations, lest I be made haughty, a thorn or an elephant. So, see, the thing is, we read about the thorn that was in Paul's flesh, but no one ever knows what the thorn is. Oh, Paul couldn't have problems with lust. He's too holy for that. Paul couldn't have problems with anger. Well, surprising, Peter did. <laughs> he had loads of problems. That was one of Peter's elephants. And Peter had to work his way through that issue of anger. And Paul says to him, <laughs> a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger for Satan that buffets me, lest I be made haughty. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that he might de- that, that, that it may depart from me. You know, I don't know man, how many times over the years I've heard people, good people who love God with all their hearts, say, I just wish this addiction would leave me. I just wish I could have the problem, wouldn't have this problem with whatever. And, and they pray this same prayer, but you know, it says here, and God said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. Philippians 1.6, which is my favourite scripture, being confident in this very thing that he has begun a good work. He's begun. <laughs> He's begun, Stacey. He's begun a good work. He's begun it, Paul. <laughs> it's not finished. He's begun it. A good work in you. Will complete it. Got a few elephants in your life? It's not completed yet until the day of our Lord Jesus. Till the day of our Lord Jesus. So we come to Christ and then the work starts happening. The two epistles of Corinthians is a typical example of where Paul goes to a city where a pagan culture was birthed out of a Greco-Roman history. Corinth was a place where it was just rampant there was sexual morality. You read what's in the two books of, of Corinthians. He talks about gossip. He talks about divisions. He talks about being accountable. He talks about sexual immorality. He talks about, he talks about married life. He talks about single life. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And he also talks about his own thorn. So today, you know, we're talking about things like gossip, division. Oh, sorry. So God wants us to have a life-giving relationship with him and he desires us to live by grace and not by law. See, the last thing we want here in church is to make a lot of... coach you into being people who are just living by a legalistic system. I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that and I can't do that. You know, that's not life. You know, married life has got boundaries, but heaven's above, you can't live it by law. You've got to live it by love. You've got to live it by grace. And it's the same as our walk with God. We've got to know that God wants to have a healthy, a healthy relationships with us. He doesn't want us living out of fear and vulnerability with him. And part of that growth, I had to go through, and maybe some of you had to go through today. So where is the line between desire and sin? Because so often the Bible is silent about a lot of things that we battle with. Who's found that? Or is it only me? Come on. Oh, wouldn't it be good if the Bible said 
this and that about the finer things of, of this or that. So where's the line? So when does a natural desire turn into sin? When does caring for a loved one turn into control? When does the nice feeling that turns into a secret affair? It may not be a physical one, but it sure may be an emotional or a mental one. When does a healthy diet turn into an eating disorder? So when does a good cleaning uh, habit turn into obsession? When does a, uh, a fitness program turn into being a, ju a gym junkie? When does a, a waiting... Uh, when does a wanting to look attractive turn into an obsession for cosmetic surgery? Do you know, I think it's in, I think it's in Canada at the moment, 16-year-old girls can go and have breast removal because they feel they're a guy. 16. The poor kids. When I was 16, man, my head was like a, like a tin of worms. I didn't know what... Yeah? You know, when does it turn? When, when do these things turn from being an obsession? When does an unmarried relationship go too far? If I'm married and I want to spice up my love life, can I introduce different products and practices into the bedroom? Because we have a thing, what happens in the bedroom is private. And all things, oh, is there all things permissible? When do I go from a natural desire having a healthy sexual relationship with my wife turn in, where's, where's the line? These are things with the Bible silent. Who's found that? Wouldn't it be good? I, I thought, gee, we, wouldn't it be good if it just God told me, no, you can't do this. But he doesn't. Do I have the right to do what I want with my own body? If I'm a libertarian, Libertarian says, I am a sovereign being. I can do what I want with me. No government has the right to legalise or say what I can do with my own morals. So that's what a libertarian is. Should I get the vaccine? If I don't want to. Or if I'm a utilitarian, which says that the means just, the ends justify the means, it's the greatest happiness for the greatest number. Should I get the should the vaccine be compulsory? Interesting question. Oh, gee, it's quiet now. Talk about anything, but don't talk about the vaccine, Dan. <laughs> We're at war, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be deaths no matter what way we go. How do we mitigate and have the least number? Always remember that. The Second World War came, my dad volunteered, knowing that he could die. But what was the risk if everybody didn't? Because they were prepared to cut the, the nation off at Rockhampton and give the northern of Australia to the Japanese. Oh, we were right in Brisbane. Don't worry about them up there. Is that still thing coming around? Where we go? Can I talk about the vaccine? So if I'm a libertarian, should they be able to force it on me, or shouldn't they? Interesting question. Where's the line? This is what I'm asking. Where's the line between what's right and what's wrong? If the privacy of the bedroom 
uh, is the promise of bedroom a haven for any behaviour, even between consulting adults? Is it? So where does consent come in? These are the questions. There's, where's the line? Because I don't know about you, but my moral compass was bumped. I didn't know where the line was in many of these things. When does the need to be noticed and accepted turn into an elephant causing me to dress in a provocative manner? I remember when I was a chaplain, a lady came in to see me and, and um, she was wearing a certain, certain, what do you call it, outfit? And I actually said to her, I want to help you, but first you go home and get dressed into something more decent and then we'll talk. Because I'm feeling very uncomfortable at the moment and I don't have a problem with lust with it. I've had a pastor when Anne and I had our own churches, we had people come and, and some, of the, some of the women were wearing stuff and, you know, and the men would come complaining and say, look, I can't, I can't enter into the presence of God. You know, where is the line between looking beautiful and looking provocative? Where is the line between being healthy and having to have muscles as big as Arnold Schwarzenegger? Where is the line between, you know, living in a, a, a nice modest home and, and having the home that sends us into debt that we can't control? Where is the line between um, good discipline and, 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 and parental abuse? Where is the line? These are things that we need to seek God about. But, but church, this morning, what I want to say, it's not so much about, if you can listen to this, this will help you, because it helped me. It helped me. Because life is not black and white. Have you noticed that? It's not either or. Life has a big area where it's grey. And it's in this grey area. We know the Ten Commandments. We know we shouldn't kill. We know we shouldn't covet our neighbour's wife. We know we should, you know, these are black and white things that God had to bring law in with the Jews because they had no sense at all. But then there's a big grey area. How do we live in that grey area and know that we're honouring God with our life, that we're honouring God? You know, where's the line between wanting to, to elevate in your career and being, being work-possessed and becoming a workaholic? I had to work through that. Because I was one that worked 12, 18-hour days, seven-day weeks. That's what I did. I didn't know the balance because I was brought up in a home with an incredible work ethic. And I had to learn the balance, but it was a struggle for me to find out when is enough enough. How much money in the bank is enough? <laughs> How many houses is enough? <laughs> because culture tells us that if, if you get 10 houses, well, then you've made it. But then inside of ourselves, you know, how much money? I remember uh, Steve Irwin saying, how much money do I want? You know, what do I want? A gold-plated dunny, <laughs> is the exact words that he said. How much money can I spend? And, and where is the line? And so to me, it's not so much about where is the line, but it's about what is in control here. But Paul said, he said these words, and if I can just find them. He said, oh, I had it in the last meeting. He said, oh, I don't know where he is. He said, all things are lawful for me. Yeah. All things are lawful for me. Yeah. 
but I will not come under the dominion of anything. I can't allow it to come under dominion because once you've had a taste of freedom, how can we go back there? How can we go back there? I want to tell you something about the grass on the other side of the fence. It may look green, but always know that's about the grass on the other side of the fence. Someone is watering it. (laughs) The grass is only green because someone is watering it, someone is mowing it, and someone is weeding it. So if we want a good marriage, if we want to be happy in ourselves, it's about building what we've got. It's about making, you know, talking into that wife and telling her she is just the apple of God's eye. Now to you, you may be drumpy and you may be dry, but friends, where's the line? Where do we say enough's enough? There's too much access into my life. You know, how many letters behind the name do we want? I remember someone said to me one time, Dan, you've got more degrees than a blooming thermometer. <laughs> it's not about degrees. It's not about wealth. It's, it's knowing where the line is. What is controlling me? Wow. You know, I love the idea today that I can hop in the car anytime and drive it and not be concerned that I'm going to go for drunk driving. What a freedom! Wow. What a freedom to be able to sit with my son and maybe have a can, but that's it. Why? Because I don't want to come under the dominion of that thing. I've been there, done that, worn the T-shirt. I know what sin can do to your life. I know how much it can damage the image of God that's over you. And so it's not so much, where is the line? You know, my dad said to me as a little kid, he said, Dan, always remember, you can sail close to the wind, son, but you'll never sail against it. You're always trying to look for the line, how far I can go and still be in God. Friends, we're we're looking at it wrongly. Let's get rid of the line. Let's look at control. Let's look at relationship. You know, for some of us like me, I had to walk the walk of law before I could understand grace. And you may be there today and you may say, Dan, I don't know where the line is. Well, maybe you've got to go where I had to go. And I had to live by law. I had to learn the law. I had to learn God so that I could live in a relationship. And it's the same with our children, isn't it? Mums and dads, come on, listen to me. If your kids don't know what it's like to live by law, if you let your kids make their mind up about everything, your kids will live for anything. You know, there's three C's in a life. It's you're the commander of that child up to a certain age. Then you become their coach, and then you become their companion. But you can never be their companion properly until you're their commander. And some of us in God, we have to know the walk of law. And for me, sometimes there was a line that I had to stick by. And it was hard to live there, but I had to learn. I couldn't know grace. I couldn't understand grace. If you want to understand and meet people who can't live by the law or grace, go to the prisons and meet them. They couldn't live by grace. And so it's not about the line. It's learning to know, you know, the question not so much about right or wrong. It's about what brings life and what brings death. And you can try and spice up your, your, your intimate life with all sorts of gadgets and whatever and God bless your little heart and soul but I'm telling you what it won't bring you life it might give you 20 minutes of fun but 
God doesn't mind you having fun. But he doesn't want you to live in a way that degrades you. What's life worth? What's my freedom worth? You sit and ask some of your fathers who've been to war. You have a look in Afghanistan today. There are a lot of poor women over there having to fight a fight that their husbands should have fought. And if they would have got their butts into gear and done what they should, you know, there's an old saying today, there's a lot, there's a lot of rifles being sold, Afghani rifles. They've only been shot once and they've been dropped once as they ran away. See, the thing is, 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 it's what do you want controlling your world? I had to come to a place in my life of realizing what were the elephants? What was dictating to me? And I had to grow to a place of saying, I don't want that. So I had to focus on life and death instead of the line. Does that make sense? Not how far can I push it before I go into sin. Not, no, not how far can I push it to get my... It, see, the thing is, I want to... It's strange about happiness and unhappiness. There's always a limit to how happy you can be. Always know this. And so we got people today taking drugs and everything, trying to be happier than what their bodies are physiologically able to accomplish. But I'm telling you something now, take it from me, there's no depths on how sad you can be. There's no depths to regret, no bottom to regret. There's no bottoms to sadness. There's no bottoms to depression. There's, there, there, there is this way. And if we try to push the boundaries that way, we're going to find out how far it is down that way. And when we're talking about heaven and hell, this is what we're talking about. There's no, there's no bottom. It's a bottomless, it's a bottomless abyss. So it's not so much where is the line, it's God, where is life? See, when we think about our sovereignty, it's about living under righteous authority governed by God's, God's will. And in that, when I came off alcohol, I had to find some other ways to get my highs. And if you're going to give up alcohol, you've got to take up something that's better than it. Take it from me, otherwise you're going to be a dry drunk. There's nothing worse than a dry drunk. I've stopped the drugs, but by God, no one can live with me. Does that make sense? And psychologists will tell you, if you're going to give up those things of the world, if you're going to give up the thing that you're looking for the line all the time, the only way you can give it up is by coming to something that's better, and that's everlasting life. And you might have to go through a time of detox. You might go through a time of getting your, getting your, your, your life able to be able to be fulfilled by a, a time of worship and a time with the presence of God, a time where, oh man, life, nothing, nothing compares to helping someone. People say to me, why do you help people? I help people because I need it. <laughs> Does, am I making sense? That's my drug. 
that's my drug. It's not the line of, can I push it more there? Can I push it? How? No, it's not, it's not about, don't look for the line. Look for where am I getting my life from because you're pushing the line to find life. And because I know this, is that you can love God with all your heart, but you can still battle over the line. Who's been there? Three of us. Four of us. Any more? Five of us. Six of us. And a lot of us today, I'm one I'm always looking for. Am I going to the extreme? Because I am an extremist and I've got to know that. And I ask again, I'm obsessive. I get focused on something. Should be happy when today's over, I can tell you. I've obsessed over this message for weeks and weeks. I've been like Dante. Who's heard of Dante's Fiery Inferno? Who's heard of Dante? An Italian uh, author wrote a poem. It's where we get the seven deadly sins from. And Dante did, you know, he went into limbo, purgatory, hell, and back up to paradise. And he, he found the seven deadly I've been like Dante walking through this message, you know. And, and I've struggled over it because it's been the struggle of my life and maybe it's been the struggle of your life. I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to have the elephants. I know what it feels like to have a tusk in your back. I know what it's like to be driven, but God doesn't want that for us. He wants life. Everyone say life. Come on, everyone say life. Life. God, I want to see life. 